Gone, a podcast about people who have gone missing from the upper Midwest of the United States and Ontario. These people didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. I'm Katie Nordby. And I'm Janelle Feller. These are the stories of Ashley Loring Heavy Runner and Beth Ann Ricketts. spring of 2017, Ashley Loring Heavy Runner was 20 years old and attending Blackfeet Community College. She had plans in the fall to start studying environmental science at the University of Montana in Missoula. Ashley had a contagious smile and was a talented athlete in high school. Her ex-boyfriend, Calvin DeRoach, said that Ashley blew everyone out of the water. She's outgoing and she's smart. She was beautiful. Just everything that you can look for in a person, she had it. That summer, Ashley was devastated from a recent breakup. Her older sister, Kimberly, was in Morocco for several months, getting to know her fiancé's family. During that time, Ashley became despondent. Eventually, Ashley quit going to classes and started hanging out with a much older crowd who were rumored to use and sell drugs. In early June, Ashley called Kimberly asking for money. Kimberly couldn't send it, but said that she would be home in a few days. Before she could return to Montana, Ashley had vanished. Kimberly knew how dangerous the world could be for a Native woman. She suspected her sister's disappearance had something to do with Ashley's new group of friends. The last person to have seen Ashley was one of her new, older friends, who claimed that he dropped her off on a remote road because another friend was going to pick her up. Okay, that doesn't sound suspicious at all. Well, uh, in this area, all the roads are remote. They're all remote, and... um, there is another another perspective that said that Ashley was last seen running away from a male's vehicle. Sure. On a remote road. But they're all remote. Well, yeah. And if you were this male that supposedly dropped her off there, you would say, I just dropped her off. Where somebody else may have seen her running. Yeah. And that, that's just, that's just, it's, I just can't imagine that. I just can't imagine that scenario actually happening. I'm going to drop you off here on this remote road and somebody because else you want to, and somebody else will come pick you up. Well, remember, they weren't they weren't close friends. They were new friends, and um, um, they were much older. I don't know what that means exactly, but um, so a, a f- person who really cared about Ashley wouldn't have dropped her off on a remote road Yeah, <clears throat> at any time for any reason, but right. it is upsetting. It's just yeah. one of many upsetting things in this, in this uh, story. Loxie Loring, Ashley's grandmother, was unable to reach Ashley for days and finally reported her missing to the tribal police station in Browning, Montana, on June 12, 2017. The police told her that Ashley didn't want to be found, and the word around town was that she was off partying somewhere. Sarah Deere, a professor at the University of Kansas, said that the party girl stereotype hampers police responses when a Native person goes missing. This dismissal is rooted in racism and found in agencies at all levels, on and off of the reservation. The assumption is that if you're an adult and if you're missing, it is by choice. The term missing for an adult means that no system or protocol kicks into place. Kimberly was told by a Bureau of Indian Affairs agent 
that Ashley is of age and can leave whenever she wants to. Which, if we're being honest, of course she can. Right. But the assumption shouldn't be that, you know, if you're this typical party girl, that something bad can't happen to you, even if that is, even if you are a typical, stereotypical party girl. And it sounds like she wasn't necessarily that, but that's what the summer had looked like for her. Right. And um, <clears throat> the, uh, right. Um, Regardless of what your this behavior wasn't her is. personality. This wasn't her her who she was, or this was out of her, her ordinary character. She yeah. lived with her grandmother, and uh, she was the middle of three sisters. Um, she she was an athlete. She was a good student. These are things that are that that are really who she was too. Yeah. Um, and then she goes missing. And <clears throat> so to focus on just this typical party girl. Well, it's, it's oversight. It's right. over, over, it's, it's oversimplification of, of a person. And also, I mean, I think we look back that we saw that happen with teens that went missing. They yeah. were called runaways and they maybe weren't looked for as carefully or as well as if they had been something else. But it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a term that when it's used, the whole case ends up being kind of dismissed or the situation becomes dismissed as, as um, that of choice, not of somebody being in potentially in danger. Well, it's looked at as this action. You because of what you've been doing, it's it doesn't rise you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna worry too much because of your behaviors or something. Because you put yourself in this situation or you you are associated with these sort of people. It it's really in essence victim blaming. Right. Um right. You put yourself in a situation, or you you made these choices, and this is the consequence. You're of hanging the around with this wrong crowd, and right. you're. I mean, you can't see me, but air quoting. You're this typical party girl, so. Yeah, and I think that <clears throat> that doesn't mean somebody's not in danger, right? And uh, and so that makes us all of this just harder. Yeah. It makes it hard too, just because of where the reservation is. The Blackfeet Indian Reservation is east of Glacier National Park. The reservation covers 1.5 million remote acres, and the national park covers another million. Glacier County has a population of 7,000 people. The Blackfeet lands have been flooded with opioids, meth, and the crimes that come with them. The tribe's governing body declared a state of emergency the previous October. They linked the crisis-level drug and alcohol use to a spike in criminal activity. Locals had complained for years that law enforcement was ineffective, if not corrupt, when it came to protecting natives. In 2000, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or BIA, accused the tribal police of gross mismanagement. In 2003, the BIA initiated a forced takeover. Agents armed with, with assault rifles filed into Browning, forcing out 13 police officers in the tribal police department. The tribal, go tribal government voted to phase out the BIA by 2010 and hand law enforcement back to the tribe. There were claims that the BIA had been just as lax in protecting citizens from crimes. Many locals still fear that crimes, that criminals get a free pass on the reservation. Kimberly organized over 120 search parties for over a two-year period. Through their volunteer searches, they found a torn and stained sweater and a pair of boots in Ashley's size. Kimberly gave the evidence to tribal law enforcement, and she found out after eight months the evidence remained in the crime lab at the BIA. The evidence had not been evaluated. Nine months after Ashley went missing, the case was turned over to the FBI. Kimberly said that if me and my family didn't search for Ashley, 
I don't think anybody would be looking for her. It's a nightmare that never stops. In Native American communities across the country, there's a common saying, when an indigenous woman goes missing, she goes missing twice. First her body vanishes, and then her story. Oh, gosh. That's upsetting. I mean, what do we have if we don't have our... I mean, if we don't have our story... That's just... And I think in the Native American culture, that's even even worse. She goes missing twice. First her body vanishes, and then her story. In 2016, the National Crime Information Center found that there were 5,712 missing Native women and girls. The Department of Justice, Federal Database for Missing Women, NAMUS, N-A-M-U-S, only lists 116 cases. The criminal justice system on reservations is complex. There are several agencies involved, which can lead to confusion, lack of accountability, and an opportunity for things to slip through the cracks. When a Native woman disappears, whose responsibility she becomes depends on where the crime took place. If it is not known where or if a crime has taken place, as with a disappearance, it falls to tribal police with help from the BIA to gather evidence. Most tribes do not have the resources to establish an effective criminal justice system. They rely on inconsistent grant-based federal support. Many reservations do not have 24-hour police coverage. Only 9% of law enforcement had access to databases that could search criminal background checks in 2018. The Department of Justice found that in 2016, most attorneys declined to prosecute more than half of the violent crimes committed on reservations, often because no one had found enough, as, enough evidence to prosecute. Kimberly said that, I believe the law enforcement ruined my sister's case because they didn't take it seriously. They didn't take Ashley as important. They didn't want to search for her. My sister didn't deserve this. She had plans, and becoming a murdered and missing indigenous woman was not one of them. We were supposed to go exploring the world, but instead, I'm exploring the woods for my sister. Ashley Loring Heavyrunner was last seen on June 8, 2017. She is Native American and was last seen wearing a white shirt blue jeans, and a gray Roxy sweater. She is five foot two and weighs 90 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She is a member of the Blackfeet Indian tribe. There is a $15,000 reward. This case is still open and still unsolved. If you have any information about Ashley Loring Heavy Runner, contact the Glacier County Sheriff's Office at 406-873-2711 or the Blackfeet Tribal Police Department at 406-338-4000. So this case is just two years old, and um, Ashley is would be 22 today, um, and there's actually very little information about about it. The information that that I was able to access was because of her sister Kimberly, who has been dogged in her efforts to find her sister. She has just not stopped. Um, she quit her job. She has spent the last two years searching actively for her sister and talking about the story, telling the story, telling it over and over again. Um, she's done TV interviews, and she's been asked to speak at um, a tribunal in regards to missing and murdered indigenous women. So um, the reason I could find anything was because her sister, Kimberly, and all the work that she's done. Otherwise, there, there isn't anything to really go on. 
Uh, it's half conjecture. Um, I had a hard time finding the date that she had gone missing because um, the the exact date, it's the date that she was last seen and the date that she was reported. But um, there's conflicting information. And, it's well, and the fact that she was the one who found the sweater yep. and the boots after right. they were told that this area had already been searched. Right. And so they find the sweater. They find the boots, which, you know, that area had already been, apparently had been searched. That's what they were told. And then nothing is done with it. I mean, there could have been DNA on there that would have said um, that this is Ashley's blood. Um or somebody else's or DNA. Or somebody else's DNA. And uh, just not even processing that that evidence. It seems criminal. Yeah. It potentially lets a criminal go free longer. Right. Um, I'd like to think that they all get caught eventually, but that's probably naive. But Well, and what faith do you have in the system after fighting to have your sister found or searched or, you know, something happen mm-hmm. and then you find this evidence? It would be maddening. And I think that it is made worse because it is on the reservation. And there is a, um, it makes things a little bit different and how things are handled and how things are processed. And that makes it more challenging. Um, It's also a very, very, very large area. And, you know, from least from the information that I've read that, and I, I would say this is true anywhere, that law enforcement doesn't have enough resources, period. Oh, absolutely. But tribal law enforcement probably has less. And um, they cover a very large area. Yeah, and they don't necessarily have the training that they need. I think that that's also something that um, two years of schooling and we're expecting somebody to be to know all the things that are needed to know by law enforcement. Right. Um, it's just impossible. It's just impossible. Yeah. And it's also, just, in two years isn't enough education. No. And maybe four years isn't either. Uh, right. But Well, there's there's just no way to know everything about every possible situation that you could get into as, a, as an officer. I mean, you just, there's just no way to, to learn those things. Right. And, and then, and not only that, do I think that maybe law enforcement needs more education, but they aren't paid very well. Right. Um, and then we're asking them to always run toward danger. So, so that's that's well, a couple then, of reasons, right? And then you add in tribal law on top of that. And do we know if this person that dropped her off on this remote road was a uh, um, tribal member or? Well, I saw. Um, it appears, and it didn't. They didn't give any names. And I went back and I I watched some of the the. Um, the stories that have been done about this and it appears that he wasn't he was a, a, a um had light colored hair that doesn't mean he wasn't a, a tribal member but it didn't appear as if if maybe he was and and those things are processed differently because law law enforcement on the on the reservation except for in cases of domestic violence can't arrest i guess that's a, a non-native person Right. So if they're not a member of the tribe, if it's somebody from outside of the tribe and they get into some sort of trouble, there it's not their jurisdiction. Right. It's not the it's not the tribal police. But it's also not the jurisdiction of the state that the tribe that the tribal land is in. Right. It actually is federal. It's actually federal. And so 
add so, in all of that, and does the federal government have time to check out a minor every little you know drug user to them right. little you know in the grand scheme of things right right these offenses that happen on tribal land by non tribal somebody, members right and i think that so so somebody may or may not have gone missing right and she was she's old enough to go missing if she chooses to right and there's yeah so things don't so there's a lot of there's a lot of gaps uh, for things to fall through yeah. And you would lose your faith. Oh, absolutely. Because it sounds like, you know, just from the information that I read, that it had been, you know, some of this stuff talks about, goes back as far as 2000, that there were issues. And the, I've never heard of the of a law enforcement being taken over by, the, by a federal agency uh, because of gross mismanagement. Yeah. So... So there were issues, and there were issues. They may have got them corrected and some of those things, but this comes down to something really, really simple. And it, it, I think that it's it talks about, I don't, I, I, I never thought of it before, but racism of Native Americans about Native Americans. Sure. I mean, I guess that's, I guess, I guess that makes sense because I think that certainly a, a, a white woman could be, prejudice against another white woman. Yeah. I mean, that that's really naive. Right. I shouldn't have even... That doesn't make any sense. But, but I well, think but that... Well, but to say it that way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. But I think that that's what... That's what... That's part of what played a role here is just that the idea that this young woman made a choice. Um, they had no more proof that she made a choice than that she didn't. So they just... She went missing. She's partying. She's doing her thing. She's an adult. We don't have to worry about it. Well, and then you add in, you know, any possible suspects. I mean, everybody knows everybody. Sure. On these, in it's a, these... it's a, seven, a town of 7,000. Right. And yeah, so a county. Then, a county of 7,000. Right. Um, so it could be your family member. It could be a, a friend. Or do you do you turn those people in? Because then now are you in danger of... Or is your family in danger? All right. Well, I... I it's just something that this is a this this idea and this type of story is really the reason that I wanted to start doing this podcast because um, it feels like the most unjust way um, that things could possibly happen and uh, and it's made more complicated just because it's on the reservation right. It's complicated to begin with, right? But, but it's made more complicated just because of the overlaps and gaps uh, in law enforcement. And well, and just the fact that, pardon the paper shuffle, but just the fact that there were five thousand seven hundred twelve missing Native women and girls, and in the federal database, NamUs, there's only one hundred sixteen cases listed. Where, where? Are How can there be that discrepancy? Right. And it's. And I think I, I'm. I would say that it's because many of those are considered runaways or they have gone missing by choice. Um, that it's such a huge difference. Right. They're only on the federal database shows 116 or whatever, when actually there's 5,712. Part of the problem is, is that there's not a, an organization or a group that's specifically meant to track that. Well, there's not a database just to track. Right. Yeah. Specifically Native, Native American. American women and girls who've gone missing. Yeah. 
that's not there. This was this was done by a, a different organization that was um, to look at what where things were in the United States. I, I think probably because of what they have seen happen and the the huge numbers that they've seen in Canada that sure. of of murdered and missing Indigenous women, and so um, but they they couldn't even they didn't even have the information. Uh, they didn't have it. They weren't able well, to. Well, and or it. if it's coded wrong. They're not. They're not marked as Native American right. women when they're reported missing. Right, and and I think that oftentimes too, it's, um, and that's true in 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 law enforcement in general. That they're, right. If they're arrested or if those things, they're not necessarily yeah. listed as a, um, their their specific classification as a Native American, isn't necessarily listed, right. and it can make a difference sometimes in saying. You know, are we making it? Uh, are we arresting more people of Native American descent proportionally than we are of this or that or the other? I, I think that that it's it, it kind of it does play a role, and it, maybe it is important in some things, but it's 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 a maddening case, and it's maddening about how little information that I was able to actually find on her, on her, um, and then what I did find often was there would be some earlier or later information that would be in different, the dates. Um, was she dropped off by somebody uh, on the road or was she running from right. a vehicle? I, th- those two things. But other than that, there just isn't a lot of information. But her sister, Kimberly, um, isn't giving up. And she has a younger sister, Johnny Lynn, who um, isn't going to give up either. And they'll find her. They'll find her. But with so much time going by, it makes it harder to find who caused her to go missing. Right. And that makes me very sad. I mean, it's a 20-year-old girl. And it's this happened in 2017. With all the technology, we are so connected in so many ways. And this can, this can happen in 2017. In 1997, Beth Ann Ricketts was a 31-year-old military veteran and mother of three young children living in Des Moines, Iowa. On December 22nd, around 9.30 a.m., Beth had gone Christmas shopping. She picked up some presents for her kids, and she also bought a new dress to wear on New Year's Eve. Beth never got to wrap those presents or wear that new dress. She was never seen or heard from again. The same day of her disappearance, a fire broke out at her duplex and caused $7,000 worth of damage to her bedroom. Firefighters were unable to determine the cause of the fire. At that point, they didn't realize that Beth was missing. When she didn't return home the following day, friends that were watching her children reported her missing. They said that this wasn't like her. She wouldn't have just left her kids. She also would have reached out to family or friends. No one had heard from her at this point. On December 24th, three TV networks in Des Moines aired a story about Beth's disappearance. Around 7.30 p.m. that day, Beth's boyfriend, William Halterman, called the police and told them that Beth wasn't actually missing. What? They, uh, (laughs) that's, that's surprising. Um, why, why hadn't he told them that before? I don't really know. He says that Beth contacted him by cellular phone and said she didn't want to be found and that she was with friends. Well, if that happened on a cellular phone, it there's a record of that. Right. 
Well, this was 1996. 1997. Did we have cellular phones? Well, if we we did, could you track them? Yeah, I would think you would be able to. I wouldn't know. They were analog back then. They weren't digital. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Really? Yes. (laughs) Well. I don't know that you could track that back then. I mean, you could, you, only, should, you could only save about you five text mess or five phone numbers or something. You couldn't well, even get text messages. It, so, but then there was a log, a log. Of they were. It was an analog. They were called analog phones. So huh? it was, you know, pixelated on a little screen or no screen whatsoever. Those very first cell phones. I mean, I don't know. Huh. That's an interesting question. Yeah. That's that's odd. But the article specifically said a cellular phone. <laughs> it talks about the age. It does. So this doesn't make sense that um, she didn't want to be found. She had just bought presents for her kids and a new dress for New Year's Eve. That seems to show that she was looking forward to the holidays, or at the very least, she wasn't planning on disappearing. Shortly after he told the police this, he hired a lawyer and refused to talk to law enforcement. Well, that looks suspicious, too. It does look suspicious, but I think that if if law enforcement has reason to believe that you are suspicious, yeah. I think that your best bet is to hire a lawyer. That was okay that he did that. It looks suspicious, but I think that that was probably the best thing that he did. But he also didn't cooperate with law enforcement. So from what I can tell, there is nothing else that was ever stated that that I could find anyway by William Halterman as in regards to this case, which that is suspicious to me. But what do I know? Well, and I, I'm the opposite. <laughs> this is, this is probably very telling of me, but I would have talked to law enforcement and I would have told them everything that I, anything that I knew, cause I'm not guilty. Well, I didn't commit a crime. Well, yes. And I, if you were innocent, Right. You would think that you would just tell them whatever you whatever right. they wanted to know. So yes, in that way, it does it's it does seem suspicious that he just hired a lawyer and quit talking. But I think as a person that's being questioned by law enforcement, you want a lawyer there to make sure that you know incriminate yourself without even realizing it. I and I I must and I am very I must be very naive because I would just tell the truth as I you know I mean you're probably right you probably should have a have a lawyer. Whenever you're being questioned by law enforcement, I've never had a lawyer my whole life. No. I've also never been questioned by law enforcement. Yeah. And um, I mean, when I cross the border between Canada and the United States, I confess everything. <laughs> I confess what I ate. I confessed. <laughs> I, I confessed, you know, I, I, I had a Tim Horton sandwich and a donut. And uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I confess it all. Well, but that's what I mean, though, is that they're good at their job. They're They're good at what they do mm-hmm. and they know what they're doing. And so... I don't want to accidentally say something that, what, you know, can incriminate you for a murder. Well, we don't know that she's murdered. I'm just saying that. Okay. I'm not disagreeing that it's not suspicious because I think it is. I think if you're innocent, what do you have to hide and why do you need an attorney? But I think that it's probably like best practice. If you're going to be questioned by a, an, by an officer about somebody disappearing, then maybe it's probably good that you have an attorney. I suppose there. the lawyer would have probably recommended that you don't call law enforcement and tell them that she's that she's at a friend's house and and she's okay. That she called you on the cellular phone, and I mean, they probably would have have advised against that. Well, and that's probably why he hired an attorney because he made this statement that looks a bit suspicious. 
Yeah, everything he's done so far is suspicious. Well, right. So what about, is there an ex-husband in the picture? Um, I'm sure that there's at least, I mean, there's there's a father of her children. Um, I couldn't find anything about him. Okay. So She did come from Oklahoma um, to Iowa, so I'm not sure if um, that other person is there or it, there was no mention of him anywhere. Okay. okay. Um, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, so after uh, William Halterman hired a lawyer and refused to talk to law enforcement, um, there has been nothing else said about Beth's disappearance. She hasn't been heard from or seen since the day that she went missing. They were unable to determine if the fire was related to Beth's disappearance. Beth was listed as endangered missing on January 7, 1998. Authorities believe that she was taken against her will. She leaves behind two daughters and a son. Beth is described as Caucasian, 5'8", approximately 120 pounds. She has blue eyes. At the time of her disappearance, she had strawberry blonde hair. She was last seen wearing black pants, a white shirt, a zebra-style belt, and a black leather blazer. She was also carrying a medium-sized black purse. Her case has now been classified as a possible homicide. If you have any information about Beth Ann Ricketts' whereabouts, please call Sergeant Darren Cornwell with the Des Moines Police Department at 515-283-4811. So, do you know what branch of the military she was in? I, that's one thing that I tried to search for, but it, it, I couldn't find that anywhere. Um, that must be classified information, because I was not able to find that out, unless I'm a family member. Um, really? Yep, I tried searching her name, her, her married name, and her maiden name, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not able to find that. There's ways of going about finding that, but um, because I'm not related, I, I wasn't able to. I didn't think that would be kind of confidential information. And if it is, that, I mean, if, if she was in a, in a, maybe the branch of the military that she was in, maybe that had something to do with why she went missing. Maybe. Uh, maybe what she did in the military. Um, and I couldn't find how, how long ago. I, it didn't say, you know, how how long ago she served. I couldn't right. find when she was in or out of the right. military, so I'm not sure. Well, and technically she could have still been, she could have been in up until a year ago. She, right. You can, yeah. You don't have to be actively, you, you don't have to be overseas or anything like that to be right. active I, military. I didn't find that she was in the military actively at the time of her disappearance. Okay. okay. Um, but I couldn't find when she was in or out of the military. Mm-hmm. So I just, it, it boggles my mind that that is her story. That's it. That's all I could find. There was nothing else about William Halterman. I couldn't find any information about him. Obviously, I don't have his birth date or anything to to look anything up. But there's there's nothing. There's no updates. There's nothing. Her daughter, one of her daughters, had posted on um, an article that it's been 20 years and there's still nothing about her mom. And she wants to find something out. She wants to know something before she dies. That's terrible. That's just terrible. Yeah. So, um, so it sounds like that in in the in her bedroom, that fire damage was significant for that one room. Yeah. But a fire has to be. It wouldn't have destroyed a body. You wouldn't think. I mean, and that you would think that that would have been listed. I mean, even if she wasn't labeled as missing at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think that if a body was there, they would have found a body, regardless of, you know, whether it was hers or not. Right. At the time, they didn't know that she was missing. But 
if a, if a body was there that would have been listed. Right, you would you would you would think and yeah. and um, the the only thing that's the only thing that you have is uh, odd behavior by her current boyfriend. Yeah. Huh. And it, which and he's never been named a suspect. He he was never named a suspect in the case that I could find anyway. Um, so I mean, just because he he behaved odd, I guess doesn't mean that he's guilty of anything. But the fact that he didn't say anything else seems suspicious so for um for charges to be brought against the boyfriend what would have to happen there would have to be evidence first that she was missing or that she had something had happened to her and that he was responsible so because she's missing because they presume she's missing um there's nothing there's no there's there's no proof of a crime being having been committed other than arson right potentially yeah and in 1997 there wasn't a lot of security cameras i wouldn't say um certainly not not like there are today yeah and they couldn't even determine the cause of the fire so she's just gone yeah and that's that's literally all that i could find about her going missing was was that there's been no new updates that have been listed anywhere there's nothing, and it's it's sad because it's you don't want people to forget about her and forget about her case. Right. And but there's there's nothing that I could find, and that doesn't mean that there isn't anything, but there was nothing else. Mm-hmm. Which is basically no news articles or updates. Or she was a mom. She was a military vet. She went shopping, and she went her missing. house. Her house. Her bedroom started on fire. That's it. Yep. That's <laughs> that is the worst. It is the worst. I can't imagine being her kids and having nothing. No answers. No answers. No closure about what happened. Just suspicions. Thank you, Katie. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing persons photos along with information and articles used for these cases can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com. Thank you.